Well, as some of you who know me better can imagine, Karen loves me for a lot of reasons. I mean, there are numerous reasons that she loves me. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Josh, right, Rachel? I mean, can you even begin to count the reasons? No. Same thing for you, Josh? Of course. Of course. This is how it is with a married couple. But one reason that um, Karen loves me so much is that I like chick flicks. Okay, so how many of you men like chick flicks? Let me, let me, how many will own up to it? Mike does, and he's from Texas. All right. Anybody else? I do. I, like, I mean, who doesn't like a good romance? I mean, honestly. How can, if you don't like romance, something is wrong with you. I mean, this is the way I see it anyway. One of my favorite all-time love scenes is in the movie Robin, Prince of Thieves, the one with Kevin Costner. How many of you have seen this movie? Okay, a couple of you have seen it. Um, and Robin asked Lady Marion to warn her cousin, King Richard, about the, the treachery of who? Anybody remember? You know the story? The Sheriff of Nottingham. Lady Marion tells Robin that it would be very dangerous to do this because the sheriff they have, he has spies out everywhere. And that it would be extremely dangerous to do it. Robin looks into her eye and he says, will you do it for your king? How many of you know what Lady Marion says? If you've seen the movie, you have to remember this line. How could you not remember this line? Karen knows. What does she say, Karen? No! She says, I won't do it for my king. I'll do it for you. And the music, you know, the, the music comes up, and she looks him, she gives him that Hollywood look, and boom, she kisses him, right? I just love that scene. Don't you love that? How can you not love that? I mean, who doesn't want to be in love like that? No, I, I won't do it for my king, but I'll do it for you. A risk-taking kind of love. Some of you have been in love like that. Hollywood is really stupid about most things, but they know this is true, that romance resonates in the human heart. God made us this way. God wired us for romance. So Hollywood, they get most things wrong, but they do understand this. Many movies are made uh, centrally about romantic love, and even if the movie's not about that, there'll still be some kind of component of romance in the movie. Several years ago, I think I've mentioned this to you recently, but several years ago I read a great book called uh, The Sacred Romance. How many of you have read this book? By John Eldridge and Brent Curtis. It's a great book. Uh, he's a little loose on his theology sometimes, but the point of the book is, is good. Um, they say, they assert, that romance resonates in the human heart because... God made us like this, as I just said a few moments ago. They contend that the human heart has an appetite for three things, at least three things, all supplied by God. Three things. Intimacy, beauty, and adventure. Intimacy, beauty, and adventure. I can still remember when I read those words, I thought, yes, that's right. That's what I want. That's what I feel in my heart. And Jesus Christ provides all three of those things. Beloved, we've been called into a sacred romance. 
with God Himself. So don't ever idolize or idealize human romantic love. It's a beautiful gift that God's given us. Human romantic love. But it's really just a picture of the sacred romance that we are intended to have with God. Eldridge and Curtis says it like this, Above all else, the Christian life is a love affair of the heart. Amen? If you're born again, you get this, right? It's a love affair of the heart. It cannot be lived uh, primarily as a set of principles, correct doctrine, or ethics. It cannot be managed with steps and programs. It cannot be lived exclusively as a moral code leading to righteousness. It is by the heart that God is known. How did Jesus respond to the lawyer in Luke chapter 10? He said, how shall I have eternal life? What does Jesus say? <coughs> do a lot of religious stuff. Make sure you do the sacraments. Make sure you go to church. What did Jesus say? Love the Lord. That's what Jesus said. Love the Lord. That's what it's always been about. It's not about religion. Christianity's never been about religion. I say this to you all the time. It's always been about a relationship. Even more about a romance, a sacred romance, a holy romance with God. Jesus says, you are to love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is what we were made for. And when we fell in the garden, this is what He came for. To renew that sacred love relationship that God means to have with His people. It's the abundant life that Jesus talked about. It's the abundant life. A life in pursuit of, of infinite beauty which can only be found in God Himself. A life uh, progressively experiencing deep intimacy with the Son of God. A life caught up in the eternal adventure that is only found in Jesus. It's true. This is what we were made for. This kind of relationship with God. C.S. Lewis says something about this I like. He says, it's the incommunicable and unappeasable want that is in the human heart. I love that quote the incommunicable and unappeasable want. What does it mean? It's, it's something that, that's so deep and so profound in our hearts we really can't even articulate it. We simply know we want it and we need it. We can't really parse it. We can't really intelligently talk about it. It's so deep. It's so profound. He says it's unappeasable, it's unyielding, unquenchable, it's ravenous, it's insatiable. We must have God. We must. We must have God. And as we say so many times in here, men have, have taken 10,001 things and tried to substitute for God. doesn't matter what it is, you know, career, power, money, even marriage, children, uh, some pleasure of some kind. And they make that their God. But it never fills up the human heart. Only God can fill up the human heart. We've talked about it many, many times. Ecclesiastes 3.11 God set eternity in the heart of man and He's the only one who can fill that place. No temporal thing can fill up the heart of man. 
If you've lived any number of years, you've learned this lesson. I'm 50, yikes, almost 57. I'm 57. I've learned this lesson. You know, I did all the stupid stuff that most young people do. I wasn't converted till I was 28. So I did a lot of stupid stuff when I was young, right? Because I thought that would make me happy. I thought it'd fill me up. I thought it'd be such a rush that I'd never get over it. But you know what? Everything on this planet, you know, it just doesn't get it done in the human heart. Only God can do it. I hope that most of you, if not all of you, have learned that lesson. Only the Creator God can fill up the eternity that He put into the heart of man. Only the sacred romance can satisfy the incommunicable and unappeasable want. Only Jesus Christ can satisfy the appetite for, for beauty, intimacy, and adventure. You and I were made for a sacred romance. And His name is Jesus Christ. Are you in a love affair with Him? Or have you been merely religious? Are you in a love affair with the Lord? Is it real? Is it personal? Is He more important to you than anything else in the world? This is biblical Christianity. God tells us, what does God tell us about lukewarm Christianity? What does He say about it? He gives us some insight here. What does He say? What? He doesn't really like it, does He? He said, I'll spit it out of my I'll spit you out of my mouth if, you, if you're lukewarm. He's a passionate God. And He calls the people to, to Himself to be a passionate people. You can't keep up with, with the Lion of Judah if you're lukewarm. You're just playing religion, right? Jesus said, I, I don't want to have anything to do with you if you're lukewarm. But if you love Me, come after Me and walk with Me and know Me and be intimate with Me. Forever and forever and forever. This is the call of God. We know how God feels about religion. Isaiah 29, He says, These people, they honor Me with their lips, but their hearts are far from Me. The Lord hates it. Even if it has the, 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 the name Christian written above it, if it's dead, it's dead. If it's just about dogma and liturgy and sacraments, it's dead. It doesn't matter. God hates it. He hates brain dead and heart dead Christianity. He's always hated it. He told the Old Testament Jews, I hate that. Stop doing it. Don't even come. If it's not about love, just shut the door. Don't bring your worthless sacrifices to me. If it's not about love. This is what we see in the pages of Scripture. I laid all that groundwork to say this. If you do not love God, you cannot do what God tells us to do tonight. If you do not love Him, if you're not, if you're not in that sacred romance, you cannot even begin to hope to do what God is going to call His people to do tonight in 1 John. A merely religious person cannot do this. He simply doesn't have the capacity to do this, nor does he have the desire to do this. You know, the religious person he just wants to go to church, check my box, I tip my hat to God, that's good enough for this week, I know God's pleased. Again, if we read our Bibles, we understand God is not pleased. God is not pleased unless it's about this, right? 
unless it's coming from the heart. The only way we can do what He's calling us to do tonight is if we are in that sacred romance. It has to be uh, what He's calling us to do tonight. It has to, it has to be an overflow of what's going on in our heart with Him. That's the only way we can do what He's called us to do in 1 John. In God's good providence, we talked about this. Some of you who were here on the 29th of January, you will remember, we talked about loving the brethren. It was in our series on what, what makes ICM go, the International Church of Milan. What, what, what holds us together? What is the, what, what's the foundation of, of who we are and how we, how we function? It's one that we love the brethren. And I, I didn't really intend to preach on loving the brethren again so soon, but apparently God wants us to hear about it again. Because when I was going through 1 John, I realized it's one of the critical issues about being a Christian. There are two principal issues in 1 John. That you can know you're a true believer. As I've said to you many times, you don't, ask, you don't need to ask your priest or your preacher if you're a Christian. You just need to read 1 John. If you look like 1 John you can be assured that you are a Christian. So what are the two things that God says in 1 John? You must obey, which is just the outflowing of love, and you must love the brethren. These, this is the whole book. This is basically the whole book. To obey the Lord, albeit imperfectly, we understand that, and to love the brethren. This is the whole book. It's the whole book of 1 John. As I told you back in January, the last night Jesus was on the earth, He had just washed the disciples' feet, and He said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. What did He say? Someone tell me. You probably remember. I give you a new commandment. Love one another if it's convenient. Isn't that what He said? Love one another if it's easy. Love one another if you can fit it in your schedule. What did Jesus say? Someone tell me. Love one another what? As I have loved you. Let me ask you, beloved. Are you loving the brethren like that? John says, God says through, through John, in 1 John, my people love each other. In fact, they love each other like I love them. This is an awesome thing. It's a new commandment. You know, we know what the Old Testament says, right? We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. But this is infinitely higher than that. This is love your brother like I have loved you. This is a big deal. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is, this is a different kind of love. And it's the distinguishing mark of a true Christian. Jesus said, by this all men will know you belong to Me because you love the brethren like I love the brethren. This is not, something that, this is not some negotiable thing. Right? The, the Lord's given the world the right to judge us if we're what, whether we're Christians or not by how we love one another. By how we love each other. How did Jesus love us? Someone tell me. How did Jesus love us? All the way, right? <laughs> All the way. Are you loving this body like that? Are you serving this body 
like that. And when you go to the next church, all you internationals, when you move on, will you love that body like Jesus has loved you? Beloved, this is non-negotiable with God. This is like one of the this is like a minimum a minimum barrier of crossing that threshold of actually being a Christian. Are you obeying the Lord and are you loving the body? This is really the whole book of First John. We know John was in that upper room and he heard Jesus say this. And he never forgot it. And it permeates First John. 50 times in this little short five chapter book, 50 times the word love, the word love is mentioned. John heard what the Lord said. And when the Holy Spirit prompted John to write the book of assurance, it's all about loving God. It's all about loving the brethren. So brother, brothers and sisters, you can, you, can, you can examine your faith tonight. You can examine yourself tonight, which Paul says is a good thing. Examine yourself. Are you really in the faith? Do you love God? Are you in the sacred romance? And do you love your brothers? And do you love your sisters? And does your life reveal the fact that you love them? Or is it simply words? Or is it simply words? So let's quickly look at some of the, the text here. I know that was a pretty long introduction, but we'll go quickly through the text. Look at 1 John 3.14. I hope you have a Bible in your lap or an iPod or something, an iPhone or whatever it's called. God says it flat out with no ambiguity. 1 John 3.14 We know that we have passed out of death into life. How do we know? Because we go to church. Is that what it says? Because we love the brethren. Because we love the brethren. It's not a passive thing. It's a proactive thing. We know that we were born again. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. This is one way we know. Again, you don't have to go talk to your local religious professional. Just read the Bible. You'll know if you're a Christian. You'll see your reflection in 1 John. Albeit imperfectly, we keep making that point. We know we, 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 know we never achieve sinless perfection. We understand that. We, we, we read our Bibles. This is not hard to understand. But we are called to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we're called to love the brethren as Jesus has loved us. This is plain. This is crystal clear. So, beloved, really, don't call yourself a Christian unless you're serious about this. It brings dishonor to the name of Christ to call yourself a Christian and then not love the body. Because He's given the world permission to judge you as to whether you belong to Him or not. Are you loving the body? 1 John 3.14 tells us this is what it's like for the true believer. This is what it's like. We love the brethren. So my goal, my goal tonight is not to preach verse by verse through the text like I normally do. As I've shared with you already in 1 John, John writes in cycles. 
and he keeps bringing up his main point, and he'll talk about something else, and he comes back to his main point again. Then he talks about something else, and he comes back to his main point again. So he keeps, he keeps it's like a big spiral. And he keeps bringing back to the, the point of loving the brethren. So my goal tonight is to look at all the passages from chapter 3 forward that talk about this fact. So I want you to get this. I don't want you to ever forget it. Don't ever forget this. If you call yourself a Christian, never forget it. You're called to sacrificially love the body. You're called to give yourself away to the body of Christ. We talk about it a lot in this church. Last week we saw, we touched on 1 John 3.10, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, that is to obey, is not of God. In what other way do we uh, know someone is not of God? What does it say there at the end of, of chapter 3, verse 10? What does it say there at the end of verse 10? If we don't practice righteousness, we're not of God. And if we don't what? We're not of God. What does God's Word say? If we don't love the brethren. You know, it's just black and white. <laughs> it's just black and white. God's being very clear with us tonight. I think we touched on it a week or so ago. I don't remember now. But Jesus says, the world has hated me, therefore the world will hate you. Are you feeling the hatred of the world? Because you're holding up the righteousness of Christ. Because you, you, you practice righteousness before a lost and dark and dying race. Are you, feeling, are you feeling the reality of that? Jesus said the world has hated me. It will hate you if you're doing what I say. This is the Word of Jesus. And so it's important because this is a reality. Many of you have experienced it. I could get many testimonies. This irrational hatred from someone in, in your orbit simply because you're a believer. Simply because it's real with you. You know, church members can even be, church members can be the hardest sometimes on the born-again believer. Because the born-again believer is giving himself away to Christ and this intimidates the, ch the church member, right? The unregenerate church member. Not just the world, but, but the unregenerate church member as well. But because the world is like this, we need this fellowship. You know, I don't come here out of habit. Of course, it's my job to come here. Um, that's why I get the big money to come here. But I need to come here. I need to stand here. And I need to watch Angela love God as she sings to the Lord. I need to see that. And I need to see, I need to see Calvin love God as he plays the guitar. Right? I need to see it. It encourages me. And I need to see you. I watch you worship. I need to see you worship the Lord. It's an encouragement to me. Beloved, we need to come here. It needs to be on your schedule. Sunday, I go to church. I need to be there. You'll forget who you are. You'll forget how you're supposed to live in the world. If you don't come here and sit under this and be subject to this, and build your life around this. 
You get out in the world if you don't come here. You'll just forget. You'll just tune into, the, you know, you just turn on the internet and you'll just, whatever the world says, you know. Beloved, God expects His people to gather together. Don't forsake the assembling together of one another. Come together. Be together. Worship Me. Honor Me. Be My people. What have we been saying for the last couple of weeks? It is the last hour. Does your life reveal that it's the last hour? Or does your life mock the fact that God has said it is the last hour? Does your life look like it's the last hour? Beloved, I think we all have some things to learn tonight. So we need this fellowship. Look at verses 16-18 to real quick. He says, we know love by this that Jesus laid His life down for us. Verse 17. No, verse 16. Completing verse 16. And we ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. What's He saying? Are we to be martyred for one another? Maybe in some places. Some of us might be martyred. I doubt any of us will be martyred in northern Italy, right? I doubt that's going to happen. It's probably not. Keith might get martyred, but I don't think anybody else will. Keith's always pushing the envelope, right? But... I don't think that's going to happen. But what does it mean? What does it mean, lay your life down? It means lay your life down in service to this body. You call yourself a Christian? Lay your life down in service to this body. That's what it means. I lay my life down in love and service to my, to my brethren. That's what he's talking about. <coughs> Beloved, this is what he's talking about. But whoever, verse 17, whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word, but with what? Deed. God is calling us to love in deed. That's what it looks like. <laughs> you know, I've told you this before. My phone doesn't ever ring at a convenient time. People have needs. And if we can meet those needs, God expects us to, to meet those needs. Are you, loving your body? Are you loving the body like that? Are you loving your brothers and sisters like that? This is the call of the Lord. So we lay our lives down in service, support, nurturing, encouraging, building up, teaching, uh, consoling, comforting, listening, counseling, giving, sharing, meeting needs, and helping in 10,000 other different ways that we love and serve the body. I had a good friend, and some of you know him, um, Scott Moore. He was in this church uh, a number of years ago, and he left a, a, a strong impression on me. Some of you know him. You work with him. He's a, he was a Bell helicopter guy. But I used to love, he used to say it so simply. He would always say, Jim, talk is cheap, man. Talk is cheap. You know, much of, the, much of the, what is called the modern church today is just, just a lot of talk. <laughs> you know, it's just a lot of talk. Come on. Talk is cheap. God knows it's cheap. He says, not in word, but in deed. My people love in deed. Beloved, we understand talk is cheap and God is not impressed. <laughs> God is not impressed with, with our talk. 
It needs to be about our deeds. So how did Jesus love? We're to love one another even as Jesus loved? Sacrificially, right? Selflessly. Expensively. Courageously. Boldly. There were, there were no... There were, there were no restrictions. There were no restrictions that the, the Lord had in loving us. So for the balance of the message, I'm just going to hit the text real quick. I've said a lot of the things I need to say. But we're just going to hit these texts. Because I want you to hear it from God's Word. This is your job description, Christian. This is your job description. You call yourself a Christian? Do you look like this? So we're going to go through some of, some of, these, uh, some of these verses that, as I said, John writes in cycles. And... Uh, so we're going to hit some of these, some of these verses. First John three twenty three. Look at First John three twenty three, and this is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son Jesus Christ, and what love one another, just as He commanded. We are to believe and we are to love. And I want you, I want to say this to you. You're going to keep seeing this in the verses. To be, to to believe is tantamount to Loving, they're almost used synonymously here. To truly believe is to truly love. You can't say you truly believe if you don't truly love. If you don't truly love, you don't truly believe. This is the Scripture. This is what God is saying to us. You'll see it over and over and over again tonight. I want to repeat the point that I I started with. You can't do this unless it's real with God. You know, unless you got this, unless you got this vertical relationship going on, nothing's going to happen horizontally. Unless this is real, this is not going to happen. You're not even going to be concerned about this unless this is real. You could care less about this. Oh, someone has a need. Well, that's their problem. Someone in the church uh, has had a bad situation. Well, that's not my problem. It's their problem, beloved. If you're a Christian, it's your problem. And it's my problem. It's my problem. At least this is what God says. And I tend to listen to Him when He speaks. Look, listen to, look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Listen to this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. See, it must come from God. See, it comes from God. If it's real, it comes from God. And everyone who loves is... Pardon me. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You hear what he's saying? If you really know Him, you're really loving. If you're not loving, you don't know God at all. It's just some game you're playing. You don't know Him at all. These are almost synonymous terms in the Scripture here. To believe is to love. To know Him is obviously to know God is to love God. You can't, you, can't, you can't genuinely glimpse Jesus Christ and not fall hopelessly in love with Him. So to know Him is to love Him. And to love Him is to love His people. Again, I'll ask you again. Are you loving His people? Is that on your weekly planner? I'm going to love the body of Christ this week in a new way. In a new way. I'm going to be proactive about it. 
I'm going to reach out and help. I'm going to call and encourage. I'm going to pray for someone. I'm going to meet a financial need for someone. But look, this is who we're supposed to be. <laughs> you know, this is why the first century, this is why the first century Christians were so powerful. The world saw how they loved one another. And the world was in awe of it. They'd never seen it before. And I think we've lost, in the modern church, I think we've lost some, some of that. Look at 1 John chapter 4, 11 and 12. Chapter 4, 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see it? There it is again. If God's loving us, we ought to be loving one another. Verse 12. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. There it is again. If we're in that sacred romance, and His love is perfected in us, it all, God is the root. It, you know, the vertical thing has to be happening. Or the horizontal thing is not going to happen. You, don't, you just don't have the capacity. You don't have the desire to love as God has called us to love. But look at verse 16, chapter 4. Verse 16. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in Him. There it is. It's, it's all about being in relationship with God. Look at chapter 4, verses 19 to 21. 1 John 4, 19 to 21. We love because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. It's the same time John has called us a liar. <laughs> you know, if you say you love God, but you don't love the body, you're a liar. You say, Jim, that's hard. I, hey, hey, man, I'm just saying what's in the Bible. <laughs> don't get mad at me. You know, a lot of times people get mad at the preacher. And I get these terrible calls and I write emails. But you always take it as a compliment. Unless I made an error. If I make an error, come talk to me about the error. And I'll, and I'll try to rectify the error. But if I'm simply preaching God's Word and you get mad at me, that's not good. That's not good, beloved. That's not good. If someone says, verse 20, chapter 4, if someone says, I love God and he hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Verse 21, And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother. Are you getting the point? First John is about what a real Christian looks like. Are you getting the point? That's how you're supposed to look. Your life is supposed to look like this. You know, I preached this text one time and a woman, she sent me a good email. She said, well, who's my brother? In this context, we're talking about Believers, of course we know we're called to also love in general. We're even to love our enemy. But God's calling us to love God's people with a peculiar love. A different kind of love. And then the last one here, chapter 5, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. This will be the last one we'll touch on tonight. Chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. See, belief comes from God. Whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. There it is. If you love God, you love the brethren. I mean, how many times can He say it? He doesn't want you to miss this. 
He doesn't want us to miss this. Verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. If you're not loving the brethren as God has called you to, then you are not loving God as God has called you to. Do not say you love God if you are not loving one another. Just don't even say it. Because John tells us, God's Word tells us, the Holy Spirit tells us that we're just lying about it. Don't say you love God unless you're loving this body. Selflessly. Sacrificially. That's what being Christian is all about. <laughs> it's supposed to be our evangelism. Our love is supposed to be our evangelism. Inside the church, and then people outside the church are supposed to see it. They're supposed to see it. Well, why did your church help you? Because they love me. I can't believe they did that for you. I can't believe that person in the church reached out to you like that and gave you what you needed. I can't believe it. Well, let me tell you why. Because our God loves like that. And our God has called us to love like that. Beloved, it's our evangelism. It's our evangelism to love like this. Your love for the brethren, it's a crystal clear reflection of the reality of your love for God. So I'm going to give you a challenge and we'll be done. I'll give you a challenge tonight. I think it's the same challenge I gave you back in January. I don't remember. I didn't look into my notes. But I'm, I'm, going to, I'm just going to challenge you to love each other. I'm going to challenge you to be proactive about it. I'm going to challenge you to go out of your way to love somebody in this body or some other believer that you may know. Go out of your way. Reach out to them this week. Come alongside them this week. Encourage them this week. Pray for them this week. Meet their need this week. It's a challenge I want to make to you. You know, we have our spiritual disciplines. We, we study and read the Bible. We meditate on the Scripture. Some of us memorize Scripture. We pray. We fast. We gather together to worship. We give our money to the Lord. We have all of these spiritual disciplines. But I think the challenge uh, for you and I tonight is I want you to practice the spiritual discipline of loving each other. Whatever that looks like in your orbit. To love one another. I want you to expend energy on it. I want you to be creative with it. I want you to be strategic about it. I want you to be intentional about it. I want you to be deliberate about it. Be sneaky if you have to. You know, the best times I've been loved have, have been anonymously. You know, I'll have a need some... Uh, I've been a Christian for a long time. Somebody would find out I have a need and anonymously the provision appears. I love that when that happens. Don't you love that when that happens? You know, it's just God. Even if it comes through the, the believer, you know it's God. But when it just appears and someone does it, I love anonymous acts of love. <laughs> and I know the Lord. I know the Lord loves it when we love one another in that way. So beloved, we are called to love each other even as Jesus has loved us. It's a blood, sweat, and tears kind of love. It's a roll up your sleeves and go to work kind of love. I challenge you to take it seriously because we certainly cannot miss it from the Bible. We cannot miss it from 1 John. This is what God expects from His people. 
And last January, you may remember, or in January, we talked about, we, we, we took a, a pretty good look at, at 1 Corinthians 13.7. We don't have time to talk about it tonight. But just in closing, I would say, remember what we learned in 1 Corinthians 13.7. Love bears all things. Are you bearing all things with your, with, your, with your brothers and sisters? It believes all things. Love believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. And true love never fails. You know, if we'll just love each other, this church will be here till Jesus comes back. Because love never fails. The kind of love we get in the, in the, in the vertical if we're spreading it around in, in, the, uh, in the horizontal, you know, I'm a little dyslexic on that, so I have to really think hard. It's, it's vertical and it's horizontal. Beloved, that's what God's called us to be. That's what He's called us to be. So I challenge you. I challenge you. Christian, do what God says. Love this body. Love, your, 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 love the brethren. Love your brothers and sisters. For the rest of your life, until you step in front of Jesus, love the brethren. That's your call. That's your job description. Don't say you're a Christian if you don't love the brethren. Don't even say it. Love the brethren. Love the brethren. We're going to celebrate the Lord's table tonight. The way we do this is, um, and I, I want to, let me say this before I forget, we have open communion here. If you... Um, have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior and followed Him in believers' baptism, you are welcome to partake of the table. So what we do here is Kelvin will play a song, probably four minutes long. You prepare your hearts. You know, Paul tells us not to come to the table in an unworthy manner. So it's my job as a, as a pastor to say, don't come up here in an unworthy manner. Don't come up here unless you're, you're going to repent of your sin and put it down. Don't come up here. Don't come up here in an unworthy manner. Paul gives a strong warning about this. So it's my job as your pastor to warn you, don't come up here. If you've got sin in your life and you're not willing to repent of it, just don't come. But if you love Him and you want to do 1 John, <laughs> you know, 1 John means something to you, I'm going to practice righteousness and I'm going to love the body. I mean, you know, if that's going on in your heart, man, because that's the word we've heard from God tonight, then please come and partake. And what Kelvin will play, confess your sin, prepare your hearts, uh, prepare to, to honor the Lord this way as He's commanded. Uh, when you're ready, um, when you've prepared your heart, come up, take the cup, take the bread, go back to your seat and, and hold those. And then after the music, I'll stand and I'll read a text and then we'll partake of the elements, okay? Does everybody understand? So during the song, just as you're ready, come up and, and, and get the elements. So let's honor the Lord.